purchased the sale of your late husband's cottage and land, is that correct? That is correct. How had you learned of Mr. Wells' death? Mr. Carver had conveyed the news to me in person, said Mrs. Carver. Naturally, I made for Hokitika as swiftly as I was able. I would have liked to have attended the funeral. Unfortunately, I was too late. At the time you left Dunedin, did you know that the bulk of Mr. Wells' estate comprised a fortune of unknown origin? No. It was not until I arrived in Hokitika that I read the account given in the West Coast Times. I understand that you sold your house and business in Dunedin prior to your departure, however. Yes, I did, said Mrs. Carver, but it was not as radical a move as you might suppose. I am in the entertainment business, and the crowds at Dunedin are not what they once were. I had been considering a move to the West Coast for many months, and reading the West Coast Times with keen attention with that future purpose in mind. When I read of Crosby's death, it seemed the perfect opportunity. I could start anew in a place where business was sure to be good, and I could also be close to his grave, which I very much desired. As I have said, we did not have a chance to resolve our differences before his death, and our separation had cut me very keenly. You and Mr. Wells were living apart at the time of his death, were you not? We were. How long had you been living apart? Some nine months, I believe. What was the reason for your estrangement? Mr. Wells had violated my trust, said Mrs. Carver. She did not go on, so Broom, with a nervous glance at the justice, said, Can you elaborate on that, please? Mrs. Carver tossed her head. There was a young woman in my charge, she said, whom Mr. Wells had used abominably. Crosby and I had a dreadful row over her, and shortly after our disagreement, he quit Dunedin. I did not know where he went. I did not hear from him. It was only when I read his obituary in the West Coast Times that I found out where he had gone. The young woman in question, Miss Anna Wetherill, said Mrs. Carver, crisply. I had done her a charity by taking her in, for which she was, as she asserted, very grateful. Mr. Wells tarnished that charity. Miss Wetherill abused it. Did the acquaintance between Miss Wetherill and Mr. Wells continue after their joint relocation to Orkitika? I haven't the faintest idea, said Mrs. Carver. Thank you, Mrs. Carver. I have no further questions. Thank you, Mr. Brougham, she said serenely. Moody was already pushing his chair back, waiting for the invitation from the justice to rise. Mrs. Carver! he said promptly when the invitation came. In the month of March 1864, your late husband, Crosby Wells, made a strike in the Dunstan Valley, is that correct? Mrs. Carver was visibly surprised by this question, but she paused only briefly before saying, Yes, that is correct. But Mr. Wells did not report this bonanza to the bank, is that also correct? Also correct, said Mrs. Carver. Instead, he employed a private escort to transport the ore from Dunstan back to Dunedin, where you, his wife, received it. A flicker of alarm showed in Mrs. Carver's expression. 
Yes, she said cautiously. Can you describe how the ore was packed and then transported from the field? She hesitated, but Moody's line of questioning had evidently caught her off guard, and she had not time enough to form an alibi. It was packed into an office safe, she said at last. The safe was loaded into a carriage, and the carriage was escorted back to Dunedin by a team of men, armed, of course. In Dunedin I collected the safe, paid the bearers, and wrote at once to Mr. Wells to let him know that the safe had arrived safely, at which point he sent on the key. Was the gold escort appointed by you or by Mr. Wells? Mr. Wells made the appointment, said Mrs. Carver. They were very good. They never gave us an ounce of trouble. It was a private business, uh, Gracewood and Sons, or something to that effect. Gracewood and Spears, Moody corrected. The Enterprise has since relocated to Canieri. Indeed, said Mrs. Carver. What did you do with the bonanza once it was delivered safely to you? The ore remained inside the safe. I installed the safe at our residence on Cumberland Street, and there it stayed. Why did you not take the metal to a bank? The price of gold was fluctuating daily, and the market for gold was very unpredictable, said Mrs. Carver. We thought it best to wait until it was a good time to sell. By your degree of caution, I would hazard to guess the value of the bonanza was considerable. Yes, she said. Several thousand, we thought. We never had it valued. Following the strike, did Mr. Wells remain upon the field? Yes. He continued to prospect for another year, until the following spring. He was buoyed by his success, and felt that he might get lucky a second time. But he did not. Where is the bonanza now? Moody asked. She hesitated again, and then said, It was stolen. My condolences, said Moody. You must have been devastated by the loss. We were, said Mrs. Carver. You speak on behalf of yourself and Mr. Wells, presumably. Of course. Moody paused again and then said, I presume that the thief gained access somehow to the key. Perhaps, said Mrs. Carver, or perhaps the lock was unreliable. The safe was of a modern design— and as we all know, modern technologies are never infallible. It's also possible that a second key was cast without our knowledge. Did you have any idea who might have stolen the bonanza? None at all. Would you agree that it is likely to have been someone in your close acquaintance? Not necessarily, said Mrs. Carver, tossing her head. Any member of the gold escort might have betrayed us. They knew for a fact that there was a fortune in pure colour at number 35 Cumberland Street, and they knew the location of the safe besides. It might have been anyone. Did you open the safe regularly to check upon the contents? Not regularly, no. When did you first discover that the fortune was missing? When Crosby returned the following year. Can you describe what happened when you made this discovery? Mr. Wells came back from the fields, and we sat down to take stock of our finances together. He opened the safe and saw that it was empty. You can be sure that he was absolutely furious, 